Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Premier Football Podcast on PFP Media. Today, following the big news of the morning, uh, Frank Lampard being sacked by Chelsea and the impending arrival of Thomas Tuchel, we'll be focusing purely on Chelsea uh, for, for this pod. I, as always, am your host, Rafe Garland, and I'm joined by my good mate, Joseph Doherty. Joe, two questions. How are you getting on today and what do you think of the big news? I'm, I'm getting on very well, thank you, Rafe. I'm wearing this uh, new delightful Arsenal training top, which I'll show anyone watching at home. I know yeah. that I shouldn't be buying any Arsenal gear until Stan Kroenke is gone. I, I'm aware of that, but I saw th- th- I saw this as an ad on offer, and, and it was very hard to resist. It's it's white with little bright, you know, red Adidas. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. So, Joe, Joe it's a it's a Chelsea special today. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> you you and I wouldn't be caught dead wearing anything that was. I remember my wife was getting me a training top, and I it was Chelsea blue, and I thought absolutely not. No, 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 no. Get me a navy one at least. Navy's like is not associated with any um, any Premier League team, actually. But yeah, no, I'm I'm well and huge West, news. West I, Brom, maybe. Yeah, but that's uh, stripes. This is just a plain. A Fair plain enough. Well, navy. Joe, we do Rangers, expect that's it. We would enjoy if some Chelsea fans would listen to the show. So we'll we'll stop talking about Arsenal for now, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll move on. Obviously, the big news of the day: we spoke about Lampard uh, in depth a couple of weeks ago. I was of the opinion maybe that he should be given more time. That some of the some of the big names he's brought in have moved across the world during a global pandemic. There, there's lots lots of lots of elements to to moving your, your family around the world and obviously adapting to a new league and so on and so forth. But obviously following the, the, the run of form that has led Chelsea to ninth in the Premier League at the halfway stage, Abramovich ha- has made the decision to, to pull the trigger and, and let him go. What, what are your immediate uh, thoughts, your, your reaction per se? I'm not surprised, Rafe. Um, I, I think I, I would be surprised if anyone was surprised. Let's just think about the 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 owner that we're that we're talking about. He is the most cutthroat owner in, at least in the Premier League, arguably in 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 the top five leagues in in Europe. That's a fact. Um, Frank Lampard had a pass last season with the transfer ban. He exceeded expectations and obviously finished in fourth place, qualifying for the Champions League. This was uh, a season where he had to do better than that. And to be to to be at least among the, the title challengers. I mean, Chelsea aren't even among the top four challengers at the moment. It's that bad. So I don't think that anyone could be could be surprised that this has happened. He's failed to implement any coherent style of play. I think that uh, aside from maybe Mason Mount, even there's a case that he's kind of stagnated this season. He's not really kicked on from last season, and even I think his statistics were better last season, although I think that he seems to be more involved in the build-up of a play this this time around. He's playing a bit deeper. Um, but I don't think he's really improved anyone as well. It, 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 it wasn't going well for him. He wasn't getting the results. The players weren't performing for him. He had failed to to integrate the 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 new signings, the big money signings, the likes of Hakim Ziyech, the likes of Timo Werner, the likes of Kai Havertz, and in the end, he's paid the price for 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 failing to live up to expectations. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to repeat too much of what I said the other week, but I suppose maybe for for this show, it's it's important to weigh up both sides of the decision before we, we look ahead at, at Tuchel. And I think you've, you've definitely made lots of good points there about him not integrating the players. And I think last week he came out in an interview and, and he blamed the players. He said it was 
that there was too many players out there not doing the bare minimum, not running around, not not putting in a shift, not doing the basics. But ultimately, as a manager, that does fall on on your shoulders. And if there are players that aren't performing, it, it's up to you to to leave them out of the side. And um, if we look at how players have have come into the Premier League over the last couple of years to other clubs, the ones that haven't hit the ground running haven't really been kept in the starting 11 of other teams. Like you think of, of Liverpool who went out and signed a handful of, of players, maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, Fabinho, Fabinho, the most notable one that there didn't seem to be a place for him immediately in the side. And rather than Klopp trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole or, or try to persevere with, with a player that wasn't quite up to the standard that he wanted, he left him out of the team entirely for two, even three months before he, he started playing regularly. And like you said, that, that squad that Lampard had last year achieved a fourth place finish in the Premier League. It's not like they were they were awful or they were rubbish. He could have kept playing the, the same team that he was playing last year. They didn't have any major outgoings, you know? And, and then he could have integrated these players when he felt that they were ready rather than... than I, I don't know. It seems almost almost childish to turn around and, and put the blame back on them because ultimately he was the one picking the team every week. I mean, the, of course, I, I think Klopp's example um, treatment of Fabinho was was really rare because it's not often that you see that. And I mean, th- think of Nicolas Pepe and Willian at Arsenal as well. Two players who who were afforded way too much much time. The way Klopp handled Fabinho was 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 um was was really really good and and obviously it, it paid dividends because he he knew the standards that he had to hit to get in into the team the the other argument is i suppose rafe is that when you spend you know 45 50 million pounds as they did on timo werner and then um 70 80 million pounds as they did on kai havertz it's kind of you, you. You kind of feel obliged that you have to include those players because of the financial outlay, uh, and you have to make them a success. But you, but you're quite right in to say that there are different ways to to manage players, and certainly Chelsea had enough forwards in the shape of Olivier Giroud and Tammy Abraham to ease the burden on Timo Werner. I suppose he Lampard tried to do that by moving him out to the left, but there's still very much a um, a need for him to be contributing in terms of goals and assists if he's playing wide left. It's, it'd be it'd be perhaps easier if he just played him in cup competitions. Um, Havertz, obviously he has left out, uh, certainly in recent weeks, but when he's been brought back into the team, he's still not ready. Um, it's obviously a very different situation than with Fabinho at Liverpool, who, when he came back into the team, was just incredible and um, a, a completely different player from the one who first pulled, pulled on a Liverpool shirt. He, he was extremely rusty, uh, didn't seem to be up to the pace of the Premier League. Um, and, and the worry for the, for the likes of Werner and Havertz is that still going into, into January, almost February now, is that they're not up to pace with the speed of the Premier League. Well, potentially it's the speed of the Premier League, but potentially, like we, we spoke about, to, to continue on with this Fabino metaphor, um, he, he, he spent those first few months learning from the players around him and learning from Klopp what his role in the team would be and, and what would be expected of him when he was playing. And I think that that's the biggest issue at Chelsea. And, and that's the thing that Chelsea fans will tell you, pundits will tell you, anybody that watches Chelsea will tell you that they start a game playing one style of football. And then as they make substitutions, their style of football changes with the types of players that are on the pitch. 
And every time that they make a change, they seem to shift their formation. They seem to shift uh, how much they want to keep the ball, how much they want to counterattack, whether they're sitting deep, whether they're playing a high line. They don't seem to know what the Chelsea style of football is. I don't think anybody knows how Chelsea play football. You know, it's if Giroud is on the pitch, you're going to play an entirely different type of football to if Tino Werner is starting as a number nine. If he's playing through the middle, it's a different game to whether he's playing um, on the left wing. If Havertz is starting at a number 10, he's playing a different game to whether he's being asked to play as a number eight. And maybe these players weren't signed with any particular position in mind. I, I know that Hakim Ziyech, can play really, really well on the wing. He started his Chelsea career really well on the right wing, but he played a lot of his career prior to that in the middle of the park as, as an attacking midfielder. So when you're signing Kai Havertz and you're signing Hakim Ziyech and you've already got Mason Mount and you're trying to take three attacking midfielders and put them into the role of, of, of one attacking midfielder a number 10 and then trying to force two guys out wide, but maybe Timo Werner is going to play out wide. It just seems like a total mess it, do, it does I mean if I look back at the, the very start of the season they still had Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus-Cheek on their books as well who also want to be playing in those positions so you've outlined I mean between the two of us we've outlined at least five central attacking midfielders there that I mean yeah Averts and um, Ziyech are both obviously left-footed attacking midfielders Ziyech, I think, definitely wants to play coming in from the right. I think he looks most comfortable there. And Havertz wants to play as a, as a number 10. But do Chelsea play with a number 10? Are they set up to play with a number 10? If I think back, at the, I mean, Juan Mata is the only one that really stands out to me as an out-and-out out number 10. Lampard was more of a box-to-box, an eight. Um, obviously, prior to that, they, they, they always played with a, a DM, with a Michael Essien, with a Claude Makélélé, one of those those types maybe it's, Zola traditionally might have played behind the striker Zola or good Johnson yeah they would have they would but have we're going been, back a long that time was, that's we're going back a long ago. time and and they were in a 4-4-2 which is obviously a completely different system to a to a 4-2-3-1 um I don't know what's the Chelsea style the Chelsea way for me the, the Chelsea way is being pragmatic it's Mourinho style it's Antonio Conte style it's, it's that sort of football obviously Tuchel I think you might know a little bit more about Tuchel's style than me, but um, it'd be interesting to see to, to to see what direction he takes the team. Because for me, he's not that Mourinho type. He's, no, he's a, a, a continental. Uh, obviously, Mourinho's continental, but if, if we, he's a he's a more flamboyant style of style of play. Um, obviously, that's the philosophy at Borussia Dortmund, and that seems to be the philosophy at Paris Saint Germain in recent times as well. Um, and that's obviously that's what Chelsea wanted, right? After um, well, Conte, it was if, Sarri. If, if you look at the players that. That, that they signed last summer, now I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they weren't Frank Lampard's signings. I don't think that Abramovich actually gave him 200 million to spend. I'd say he more bought the players and said, this is what you're getting. Make yeah. it work. And I don't think he ever really cared if it worked for Frank Lampard. I, I don't think that Frank Lampard was destined to be in that job for 10 years. I think that when Lampard was appointed, he was appointed to ease the pressure on, on the board while, while Chelsea wrote out their transfer ban. They, they, they were, he was there to appease the fans in case, God forbid, Chelsea ended up finishing eighth or ninth or, or whatever it was after um, Ed Nazareth left. And, and what could it, could it, could it pipe in here just for a sec? It was a smart move. Uh, no, it was it, absolutely. And we, we accused United of doing something similar with, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think he, he actually ended up working out long term. But, but Frank overachieved last year and I think ultimately has hung himself 
on that by setting the standards so high for himself. And he's made he's made the decision easy for the board this year to turn around and say, no, look, you, you've gone backwards since last year. You're out, pal. Um, and and it's, it's, I think, quite likely that they've actually had their eye on flashy continental managers for a long time. Because if you look at these, all of these attacking midfielders that have come into the team, all of these people that want to keep the ball and be on the ball and play this, this more progressive um, continental football, as you called it, I think that Tuchel might be the right man for the job. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he's a German coach that, that speaks several languages um, if, if you look at the players that have come in as well. I, I agree. It's it's all very well being a being a multilinguist, but that's not all, that's not the that's not that's not what the job is. And we we've obviously seen managers come in. You can think of Mauricio Pochettino didn't speak a, barely spoke a word of English, but did fantastically well at, at Southampton, and then did 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 well at Spurs. Um, on on Lampard, before we get more more into Tuchel. I mean, they were very lucky to finish fourth place last year. Leicester should have had that wrapped up. It, 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 Leicester should have, should have finished at least third. They they really fell off. And um, the fact that Spurs and Arsenal both changed managers um, before Christmas played into Chelsea's hands as well. Um, that, yeah, they were... They were I, you feel for Lampard, but you don't? I don't know, I don't know if you get me. Because they, they're clearly not... I mean, Tuchel has a huge job. Because the squad, the squad that they have right now is is bloated. It's not working. There, there are too many options. Sometimes, sometimes it, it it helps to have limited options because you're able to get consistency. Look at that's the that's the approach that Klopp has taken at Liverpool. Yeah, is to have a small squad. It, it's the Mourinho to, way as well. Is to always have a small <clears> squad. Abso- absolutely. Um, I think Tuchel will trim it. As he goes, I, th- I think he's coming in at the right time now where because they're, they're mid-table, he has a free hit for the first six months and then he'll be expected to go and win something next season with, with his team. And from, from look, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on Tuchel, but I've done a lot of reading on him today, obviously, with, with the news. And he seems to be a real nerd of the game, a super, mm. super nerdy guy. And he's not interested too much in... in man managing players and, and forming relationships with um, directors on, on the board, or he's not too keen on, on appeasing the press, this kind of thing. He, he, he wants to sit in his office and he wants to draw tactics all day. And he wants to think about who's going to fit in where. Do you know who he reminds me of? Unai Emery. Unai Emery is exactly like that. Interestingly enough, they both managed, managed Paris Saint-Germain. And interestingly enough, Paris Saint-Germain have, have gone for a much more, a much better communicator, a much, a much, uh, a much better man manager in Pochettino. Um, and just to touch on PSG briefly, that is exactly what they need because uh, having just a, a, a tactician, it's, I, I just don't think it's enough for the likes of Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. They're such big personalities that you need to have someone who can kind of get on board with on board with that and, and not just um, come at them with tactics because they wouldn't be interested in that. Yeah, certainly. I, I read a great Melissa Reddy article earlier um, about Tuchel coming from, he, he came through at Mainz, obviously the same club that, mm. that Klopp came through and then he went to Dortmund the, the same way Klopp did. And I think Klopp actually agreed with Dortmund about the time that he was going to step aside because Tuchel became available and they, they all agreed that he was the, the best fit for the club, you know? So it was almost like a, a handing over of the reins from from Klopp to, to Tuchel in, in that sense. When he joined Dortmund, they were warned by Mainz about his personality type. They said, look, what are, what are we getting into here? You know, <laughs> and they said, look, he's, he's a brilliant manager. He's a brilliant tactician. He's, he, I think he was the most successful manager that, that Mainz had ever had, but they gave fair warning that he was going to 
clash with lots and lots of individuals because he, he really didn't care. He really had no interest in the human side of football at all. He, he comes across as incredibly arrogant and it's, it's his way or the highway. And he, he's not re- really very good at, you know, t- managing up or, or managing down in, in that kind of way. I know they've got rid of Eden Hazard, who is kind of the ringleader of the of the downfall of Mourinho and, and Conte, if um, if reports over the last few years are to be believed. But does that sit well for Chelsea? Do you think having having someone like that? Well, um, I, I, look, I, I don't think anybody gets on with, with Roman Abramovich. To be honest, I think maybe Frank Lampard tried a bit too hard to get on with him. He did, wasn't critical of him at all. Was never critical of the board. He never said, these aren't my signings. I don't want this. What I actually need is a center half or what I actually want is a, is, is a natural winger, this kind of thing. He was very happy to, to take what he was given. And I think that they do need a strong character like Tuchel to come in uh, and someone that definitely understands football in this new age kind of way, the, the way Guardiola and, and Klopp see football differently, you know, I think they do need someone to put all these jigsaw pieces together. And and like we said, maybe there will be outgoings, um, presumably not this month, but but in in the summer, we'll, we'll see players leaving Chelsea that don't fit into that style. We'll see one or two more arrivals. And it, I, I'm, I, for one, I'm actually really interested to see how they get on. So am I. It's, I mean, obviously the most successful English club of the, of the 2000s overtaken by City in the in the 2010s We're yet to see who's going to come out on top between any of the top clubs in the 2020s but um standards are high at Chelsea it's not an easy place to go and and manage obviously there there are um prerequisites for accepting that job you have to be able to accept being a first team a, a first team head coach that you're not the manager that they're going that no matter what happens you, you, the the board and the directors are going to bring in uh players and you have to work with that why lampard didn't complain is because he knows that more than anyone else because he Inter- was a player for them for so for so long interestingly that was the biggest issue at psg was that he continually said mm. that he was only the first team coach and not to talk to him about other things. He, he when reporters would ask him, and you know, are you, are you going to sign this player, or you know, what what do you think about the clubs? No, no, I'm the first team coach. I that's not my job. I don't I don't want any more than that. That's all I want to do is is deal with the the tactics side of things. So maybe mm. maybe in a way it's it's a match made in heaven. But also, if he is this arrogant personality that that we're led to believe, there's another very arrogant personality. Sitting at the head of Chelsea Football Club, <laughs> even more arrogant, I would say, even more arrogant. And yeah, obviously, no one gets. Uh, you don't get to be a Roman Abramovich by getting on with people. It just that's that's just you don't you can't be an agreeable person and have that kind of run that run the sort of business that, that that he runs. It's not it's not computable. It doesn't match up. Um, I I don't know, man. I'm 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 not convinced that this is the right choice. And, and and is this the the long term one? I mean, Tuchel Tuchel was just sacked by by PSG. This is a a kind of snap him up because he's available. Um, I, I I don't know, Joe. Look, you spoke about the the culture at, at Chelsea Football Club, and you said that they like like you said there they're the most successful team in the twenty first century, and and they haven't got that way through building long-term managers you ask is he the long-term man? they don't care if he's the long-term manager no no this this is what i was mentioning this is one of the prerequisites for manager for being chelsea's head coach is that it's there's no real long-term project you have you have to hit these goals or you're gone and if you hit them that's great it doesn't mean that you'll still be in a job this time next year <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean you think about like, benitez uh, at, at chelsea 
didn't he win the UEFA Cup and finish second in the league despite taking over when they were 10th or something like that and he was still binned yeah do you know who has the highest uh, success rate of any of Chelsea's um, full-time managers Avram Grant Yes, and he was released of his duties at the end of his uh, the end of his, his his one season. This is this is uh, I mean this is as, as as we've said this is the history of Tottenham. This is the history of che- of of Chelsea. Is the most cutthroat Premier League club imaginable. So you you have to you have to hit the ground running or there's, it's well like it's, like we said he he's he, probably, he will be given a few months now. He's got a free hit. His ambition, look, he'll be told to get into the Champions League, first and foremost, that like that that top four will be the target. Um, obviously, that they're still in European competition, so a run there will, will be nice as well. And they're still in the FA Cup. So, I mean, there's still plenty there for Chelsea this season. Their season is, is by no means dead. But I don't know that he'll be expected to go out and win anything this year. And if they don't, I, I wouldn't fear for his job. I wouldn't fear for his job if they missed out on on the Champions League either, but I think it'll make his job next season a whole lot more difficult if they if they do miss out. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just I'm just having a quick look back about Chelsea's recent managers. Um, they've never had a manager in the Premier League manage more than two hundred games. Who has the most? Um, Claudio, Claudio Ranieri, yeah. Well, combined between his two spells, Jose Mourinho does, but Ranieri, yeah, Ranieri was there for four years. I mean, looking back, I, I, they just don't. Keep, there's no manager who's there for more than four years. And Ranieri was there That's, when Abramovich took over as well. Mm, exactly, he had one season under Abramovich, and then he was sacked. So in the Abramovich era, um, you know, it's, it's Jose Mourinho with three full seasons in his first spell. That's the that's the longest. They just. It's just, it's just not the. It's not, it's not how he runs his his club. So going forwards, mm. what what players do you think will benefit out of this change? Are there any forgotten players at Chelsea that that'll come back into the team? Are there any players that have been regulars under Lampard that might now be be cast aside? Think- you, go on. No, I think the, the, the obvious one to keep an eye on is Mason Mount because he was such a firm favourite of Frank Lampard's. Obviously, he had him at, at Derby and straight into the first team last season and he's the first name on the team sheet this season. And Golo Kante hasn't really been playing week in, week out. He's been rotated under Lampard for the first time in his, in his Chelsea career. So it'll be interesting to see um, what Tuchel does with him, I'd also I I'd also think he being being a German manager, he'll want to get the most out of Havertz and Antonio and, uh, Rudiger is still there as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's obviously German. Mm. He's not been featuring too regularly in the Chelsea squad, though. I think Kurt Zuma for a lot of the season has been the preferred partnership with Thiago Silva, and obviously Zuma's mm. missed out over the last few weeks. But he's got a decision to make there as well. Does Tuchel get on with Thiago Silva? Because obviously Silva came from PSG over the summer. He was allowed to, to leave on a free transfer. But obviously that wouldn't have been Tuchel's decision. He doesn't he doesn't renew contracts. Now, look, I, I've never heard anything about um, him falling out. The only player that Tuchel publicly fell out with, I think, was Kylian Mbappe, um, mm. the, the, and that was this season rather than rather than last season. I think everything last season was was pretty happy at Paris. Obviously, he took them to the, the, the to the Champions League final. Um, they've they've been winning the the French league for 
how many how many years in a row have Paris won the, the French League now? Seven, something like that. That would be yeah. my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's the bare minimum there. But obviously the, the big one at Paris Saint-Germain is to go on and, and win the European Cup. And he, he's come closer mm. than any um Paris manager in, in, in recent history. So um as far as I know, things things were very happy at that club last season. It, it was at more of the start of this season that the, the wheels started to come off. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm just having a look at a couple of the headlines and the mirror are going with the story that Thiago Silva is set for a tense Thomas Tuchel reunion. So that perhaps um, leads us to, I mean, it's not like you should pay attention to, to everything that's published in the in the mirror, but um, it, it, do, it does lead you to, to, to believe that perhaps they weren't, it, it wasn't such a happy relationship. But I mean, it, it's a big squad that Chelsea has. Yeah, certainly. It's difficult to manage a big squad. I, I think I think it's a very challenging job, Rafe. Um, I think it takes a big, 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 big personality to do well at Chelsea. He's got a decision to make over the goalkeeper as well. Um, obviously, Kepa being such an expensive keeper that that hasn't really lived up to it. Um, Mendy was brought in over the summer for what forty million, um, and as well as he started, he, he's not really set um, set the place on fire over the last couple of months with, with his own performances. So he'll have a decision to make over the goalkeeper. He'll have a decision to make over the centre halves. I think the fullbacks pick themselves at Chelsea at the moment in Rhys James and Ben Chilwell. Um, he'll have a decision to make in midfield, like you said, with, with N'Golo Kante. Um, does Kovacic play? How many central midfielders does he play? Does he play two? Does he play two deep-lying midfielders and a 10? Does he play three flat midfielders? Um, he's, he's got a, a decision to make over the players like Callum Hudson-Odoi who I think is, is highly rated around Europe and never mm. really seemed to get the opportunity on, under Lampard which was quite surprising considering his fondness for, for young players he might be one that benefits out of this a, a natural winger um, could be given a run in the team and obviously he's got a, a decision to make over where Thibaut Werner plays whether he plays on the left or, or through the middle and if he plays on the left who plays through the middle are they going to go sign another striker Am I, am, I, am I forgetting any any other forgotten men at Chelsea? Obviously, Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back from his loan at the end of the season. Ross Barkley comes back from his loan. We, we spoke about them. I can't see either of those two being long-term Chelsea players, honestly. Uh, I don't think that you go out on loan as, as many times as they've both been out on loan or, or featuring sparingly in the team when they have been um, at the club. So, no, I don't think those two have a, have a long-term future. Tuchel's tactics obviously PSG play a 4-3-3 Emery Emery tried to play a 4-2-3-1 and the players demanded that he he, uh, changed back to 4-3-3 and he was told to play 4-3-3 so that's what what Tuchel was playing at Um, I've not mentioned Jorginho there either who could obviously mm, fit in yeah I'm, I'm just trying to think the, the, obviously, Verratti stands out. Who else do PSG have in central midfield? I'm trying to think of the, the, the styles of midfield that they would have that they would have been playing. I'm not sure who's starting in the middle of the park for, for PSG at the moment, to be honest. Um, mm. Another one for Chelsea, Billy Gilmore. Um, it would be interesting to see if he gets a run because every time he he sets foot in the pitch, he seems to uh, seems to set it on fire as well. So they definitely have options in in midfield. Um, I'm sure he'll give them all a run through this season um, mm. and, and really assess them all. You mentioned Kante um, being rotated for the first time in his career. And that is largely from what I've seen to do with a decline in his own physique and his inability to, to cover the same amount of ground that he has done um, in, in previous seasons as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he stays on. I, I think 
midfield is the most interesting area for, for Chelsea as, as to mm. what kind of shape they take and, and, and who those bodies are. Let's, let's, let's just try and see if we could, if, if we were in charge of Chelsea, what, what do we think the best system is? I would I, I mean, it, it's either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, surely. They've obviously had success with a 3-4-3 three, three, three in the past. Tuchel did flirt with that formation at PSG, but never for any longevity and it's not a widely used system really or I, I think I think it comes system. down it comes down to Kai Havertz and if you've it does, done you spent yeah. 80 million on Kai Havertz or whatever whatever it was you've got to put him in the team and you've got to play him in his best position because mm. he's ineffective out wide he's ineffective as a number eight he's got to be played as a number 10 so if you're looking at formations that accommodate a number 10, it's got to be four, two, three, one. It's got to be three, five, two. It's got to be a four, four, two diamond. Mm. Those are the three that that spring to mind that play with an actual number 10. Chelsea have had success in the past with a diamond, obviously under Ancelotti. He he got the best out of a, a amazing set of central midfielders in Balak, Deco, Lampard, and and Michael Essien. And um I could see a return to that three. because they, they do have fullbacks that really, really like to press. And if they mm. had someone like like Kante or um Kovacic playing in the in the sixth, they'd almost drop in as a third central defender in, in possession to really let the let the wing backs push on. Then, yeah. then you play with a midfield two of Jorginho and um, if Kante plays in the six, Jorginho and Kovacic, or you can play um, Jorginho and Gilmore or whoever it might be with, with Havertz in the 10 behind, behind Timo what, Werner. And, yeah, and you'd have two strikers. And, and then, I mean, they, they, they have a lot of wingers as well that, I don't know if that formation would work, although they do have the squad for it. Well, no, sorry, because I think they I'm have forgetting they have Ziyech there. Yeah, they have Ziyech, they have Pulisic, uh, they have Hudson Adoy. There are quite there are three wingers on on good money. I think Ziyech could be. play could play as part of the diamond. I think he could play on one side of the diamond. But I'm I'm not convinced yeah. that that Pulisic or or um, Callum Hudson Odoi could. So yeah, that that and these are the issues that Lampard's had this season, and he's he's been changing formation almost every single game, depending on on who's fit and who's available and who needs minutes. And yeah, th- th- this is the the biggest decision he'll have to make is, is what shape is his team going to play, and then as a result of that, there are going to be big names leaving the club in the summer, people that don't fit into that. If he if he goes with the diamond a couple of the wingers will surely have to go. If he opts to play a 4-3-3, then surely one or two of these midfielders need to go. Yeah, the, 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 this is it. Obviously, this is a betting in period for him. He has five months. He'll he'll find his feet. He'll obviously have an idea of, of what, what he wants his team to look like, uh, both this season and then into next season. But he has. I mean, this is this is the benefit of coming in midway through the season, isn't it? You get an idea of the players that you really want and you really don't want, and the system that you because he, he can experiment a bit. There's there's very little pressure on him now. Surely, if he, if he plays four two three one, which is probably the most obvious formation with a ten, how, how would you see that set up? Obviously, Averts in the ten, Pulisic left wing, Ziyech right wing, Werner through the middle. And I, 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 I honestly, I do, I do not rate, apart from Kante, who has dipped off a bit, I do not rate Jorginho, I do not rate Mateo Kovacic. Um, so I, I guess you're talking about one of Jorginho and Kovacic and Kante. Or, I Billy, feel or Billy Gilmore. Or Billy Gilmore. Yeah, why not go with, 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 with youth, with an academy product? Um, 
I would say surely one of Kovacic and Jorginho will be moved on this summer. And maybe Kante as well, if, if they feel that he's lost. Giroud probably as well up top and, and potentially Tammy mm. Abraham as well. I, I don't know how happy he's going to be to stay as Timo Werner's number two if they are playing with, with just one striker. Mm. Obviously, Werner's, Werner's the long-term one there. You don't spend yeah. that much money. And and Havertz, they're both long-term. They're, they're not going to get rid of them. It's not a Kepa situation. They're going to be able to, like, they haven't made tons of unforced errors and things like that. They just haven't hit the ground running. They found it difficult um, so far. And it can be difficult to adapt to the Premier League for, for a forward player. It really can be. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. <laughs> I, I've been asking you the questions the whole time here. Do you, do you have any, any unanswered questions about this Chelsea situation or have we covered it all? No, I think we've covered it all, man. It's it's a difficult job for Tuchel. I'm kind of surprised that he's got got the nod, um, and he has his work cut out for him. He gets a free pass for the rest of the season, and then next season expectations are really high. Right, very quickly then we'll, we'll cover some of the some of the big FA Cup games from the weekend. Obviously, the big one was uh, last night. Manchester United knocked out Liverpool three two. There, um, a, a much improved performance. From Liverpool, obviously, they scored two goals. They'd, they'd gone on a run of five games without scoring prior to that. Um, but their, their shortcomings at, at centre-half massively um, exposed um, by, the, by the United uh, attackers and, and their pace. Marcus Rashford had an absolute field day up against uh, young Reese williams and um, Cavani had, had the better of, of the two centre-backs throughout the game with, with Cross coming into the box, leap, leaping above both of them. Um, I, I think Jurgen Klopp spoke before and after the game about his desire to bring somebody in um, even before the season and especially now with just one week to go until the window closes. Um, obviously, from a Liverpool perspective, that is... That, that's the most important thing for, for all of their fans, it seems to be, and, and, and even the, the players and, and the staff is to get somebody, anybody in. But from United's perspective, from a game that they were able to rest Bruno Fernandes for an hour and, and still come out on, on top of against the champions of England, it's a huge result for them. Because only this time last week, we were questioning whether they could do it in the big games. It's a massive result for United. It's the first time they've done it in a big game, and um, in in his tenure, like you said, like the, they benefit they benefited from Liverpool's defence, and Liverpool need to sort that out quickly because their their season is going to derail even more. So, if they don't, because it's not it's not what what they're doing right now isn't working. No, and I think once Jordan Henderson is fit. The idea is to plunk him back back in centre back, even if Joel Matt a bit is fit. Klopp said that he prefers Henderson at the moment, and I don't know mm. if that's a statement to the board, and um, that he doesn't trust Matt to stay fit or 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 what it is. Um, but but again, I think for United, Solskjaer has now beaten all of the top six in his tenure. He hasn't beaten Arsenal, if you call them. Top, they're not top six, big six, if you want. <laughs> In any competition, has he not beaten Arsenal, no? No, no, he's not. Well, they, they, <laughs> I, I'd read this morning that, that, that he'd done, done it against the big six, so maybe Leicester have replaced Arsenal. Um, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least I can't, remember, I can't remember the last time United beat, beat Arsenal. It's a good while, though. 
I'm, I'm fairly sure it's back. But they've done it in days. a big game, is what I'm trying to say. They're, they're, yeah, they're yeah, still top of the Premier League now at the halfway point. They've knocked Liverpool out of the FA Cup, which is going to be a huge confidence boost for them coming into the Champions League. Obviously, obviously next month, it sets up the, the David Moyes derby in the next round against West Ham. Um, is, is that the David Moyes derby? Can you think of any other... United and West Ham bridges crossed. Rio Ferdinand obviously was was a hammer um, when it, when he came through, but I think he had that spell at Leeds before he went to United. Yeah, no, just just David Moyes, I think, man. There's not, it doesn't seem they're not too many. It's not a bridge. Not, well, they're, they're not, they're not at the same level, are they? To be to to have any sort of substantial rivalry, um, but yeah, no, United go obviously they've dropped down into the Europa League, so they have. Uh, a much better chance of competing well there than in the Champions League. So this gives them confidence going into that and then in the Premier League for the rest of the season. Big result for them. Big result for them. Big performance. And are you disappointed, Rafe? Yeah, look, I, I am. I, I, I like the FA Cup. They, they played a strong team. I, to be honest, I'm, I'm actually quite pleased that they managed to score a couple of goals because that was the biggest thing. They were the big questions being asked Liverpool at the moment. And I, I think Liverpool probably played the better football o- over the 90 minutes. They, they were just exposed by having a, a centre centre midfielder and, and a 19-year-old playing centre-half for them. And and when, when the issues are that obvious, that you don't really need to worry, in a sense about what's going wrong anymore. There was lots of questions. What, what's the issue at Liverpool? What's going wrong? How do we fix this? But when it's clear as day that it's just the personnel at centre-half need to be replaced, there's a very easy fix to that. You know? Yeah. Go, and, go and get one. Look, Joe, uh, Arsenal went out of the FA Cup to Southampton. How do you feel about that? I uh, Raging, Rafe. Still raging. Uh, obviously, holders. Obviously, uh, won the competition the most times. Not going to do anything in the Premier League this season. More than likely not going to do anything in the Europa League because there are too many better teams in it that have dropped in it from the Champions League. Um, really disappointing. Uh, made too many changes, in, especially in key areas. If you're gonna if you're gonna play um, out of form players, at least pair them with players who are in form. So don't play four forwards who are all out of form. At once, or in Martinelli's case, just coming back from injury, at least play Lacazette and Smith Rowe or Saka. Uh, too many changes. The the players that didn't that, that did come in proved once again that they're not up to it. Um, and I'm very disappointed with the performance and the result. Obviously, they go to Southampton again tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, mm. and, and the idea of resting all these players was was to prioritize the league game because their league form has been improving. And like you said, these players haven't given Arteta any headaches for selection really I think they've really mm. just confirmed um, that he was right to, to leave them out of, of the league game but the only thing I'll, I'll say is going into that league game I, I don't know I, I'm sure Southampton will, will feel the same team nearly player for player that they played at the weekend and, and they'll have the confidence now that they can go on and, and beat this Arsenal team I, I think maybe Arsenal have sacrificed some moment, momentum going into this clash because both teams would have been in the same boat if, if they played their full team no, Arsenal sacrificed everything for nothing. You, you, I mean, it's just, it's just, just play, play a pretty full strength side, and then you just have to get players through these games. Southampton are going to get players through these games. They're going to play another full strength side on Tuesday, and they're and the same on the weekend. So Arsenal yeah. should be doing this. I think. I think Aubameyang yeah. was off for for family reasons on on yeah, Saturday, and, that's, and, and, and that's Emil Smith Rowe was left out of the squad completely because he's not had that many games and he's injury prone or whatever it is. But if you're going to rest those two, those are the two. Mm, exactly. Yeah, those are the two. <laughs> Don't lop another six on top of it. Yeah, Kieran Tierney yeah. was already missing as well. So there's three first team players already missing. 
Yeah, you're allowed to make five st- substitutions in an FA Cup tie. So play your your best best eleven for sixty minutes, and then the players that need to come off, take them off, and get the result done and dusted um, before half time. Yeah. Okay. Look, well, those those were the big ones of the weekend. Obviously, Spurs play tonight, and and the other there was mm. no no other giants killings in, in the Premier League. Um. Yeah, so that, that, that concludes the, the show for today. Obviously, the main focus was Chelsea. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to, to subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening to us on or, or watching us on. Please remember to like the video if you're watching it on YouTube. Share the content with, with friends if you're if you're new to the show. Um, Joe, thanks so much for joining me as always today. Hopefully, we'll be back later on in the week. Yeah, well, we will, Rach. Yeah, absolutely. Big games happening midweek. Lots of football happening, so lots of lots of podcasts to do as well to keep us busy. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Look, I'll catch up with you next time. Yeah.